0: we sure. and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. This week I'm chatting to Jenny Beth on her brilliant new solo record To Love Us To Live, discussing experimentation, exploring sound, opening up, laying it all bare and the people and influences that helped her to get there. The new album is out now, a Rough Trade edit selection, so do stick around for that interview coming up a little later on in the show. Uh, This week also saw the reopening of our UK stores, Rough Trade East, Rough Trade West, Rough Trade Bristol and Rough Trade Nottingham all open their doors on Tuesday after many long weeks of closure. If you are planning on visiting our stores over the coming weeks, please do take some time to check out the new opening hours as well as the safety measures we have put in place to ensure the well-being of our customers and staff. You can find all of this information on our blog at blog.rufftrade.com and I'll also leave a link in the show notes for you so you can check it all out there. We're just super super excited to have the shops back open again. They are after all the lifeblood of our brand and it's especially really really great to be able to see you guys and chat to you again because There has certainly been no shortage of great music and I feel like we've missed that connection of all blabbing about it together. So do come down and chat to us if you can. But obviously we'll keep all the conversation going online as well. So speaking of great music, I've got four new albums to tell you about, all edit picks of course. And first up this week is the wonderful Blanco White. So singer, songwriter and guitarist. Josh Edwards creates music under the guise of Blanco White drawing influences from Spain and South America and bringing together elements of Andalusian and Latin American music alongside music closer to his London home. His music is very intimate in its delivery. It's haunting. It's kind of very magical and expansive. Um, and he's definitely a big one to watch for 2020 and on many a hot tips list. Uh, debut album on the other side is a really brilliant introduction to an already accomplished artist who's very, very much in his element. Um, the track I've chosen to preview is Desert Days and it goes a little bit like this. How could I ever know
1: Which way the riddle goes If time's beat isn't enough To carry the sky the
0: Next up, um, Peter Gabriel and his collection of songs from movies called Rated PG. The ex-Genesis vocalist has long had a relationship with film, scoring a number of movies over the years, including The Last Temptation of Christ and Rabbit Proof Fence. So this album brings together familiar, notable, and also some previously unreleased songs from or connected to film. And I've got one of them for you here. I've actually pulled out The Book of Love because not only is this version well known from that fairly naff Richard Gere and JLo rom-com Shall We Dance, but it's also a cover of a Magnetic Field song who rather wonderfully are in our edit two this week with a new collection quickies. So pretty fitting. And yeah, here it is.
1: The book of love is long
0: and boring. No one can lift a dancing. It's full of charts and facts and figures and instructions
1: for dancing. But I
0: Next up, and Drab City, which is my favourite pick this week. Okay, so this record, when I first heard it, certainly the first few tracks anyway, I immediately got, and do hear me out here, early season Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibes. Then I read the press release, which goes, Drab City are fixated on social alienation, violent revenge, and perhaps romantic love as salvation. So there's a little bit of Buffy in there, right? If you do not know the show, I'm probably making no sense, and perhaps I'm actually making no sense anyway. But if you're with me, please let me know on Twitter because I'm really feeling this. Um, Regardless, uh, the album is really great. It's really cool. It's eerie, sophisticated, kind of sexy, and full of intoxicating soundscapes. And yeah, here's my fave from it this is Troubled Girl. there was a troubled little girl from a small troubled Finally, this week, the brand new album from Phoebe Bridges. Long anticipated, highly sought after. Her sophomore release, Punisher, even dropped a whole day early. Phoebe Bridges doesn't write love songs as much as songs about the impact love can have on our lives, personalities, and priorities. And this solo record is certainly concerned with that subject it's atmospheric it's quite sinister in places it's anxiety ridden tender rich in its influence and palette of sound Um, it's just another unmissable listen and yeah here's a new song from the record this is phoebe bridges and graceland Two. that wraps our edit highlights this week do check out the full list online at raftro.com in store or via our apple playlist up next i'm speaking to the wonderful and very fascinating jenny beth Um, we actually recorded this in london just before lockdown so it's been a little while coming but i am so so glad to finally have this one out do enjoy it and i will catch you in the next one Jenny Beth, welcome to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. Thanks for having me. You're very, very <laughs> welcome. And we're so, so excited to have you here at Rough Trade today. And thank you so much for making the time to come see us because I think your schedule's pretty busy at the moment. Yeah. I think you're kind of heading into a really crazy 2020 with uh, everything yeah. that you've got going on.
1: It's been quite uh, crazy already. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, who decides to release a record when there's a pandemic <laughs> It's interesting. Yeah, all my promo trips for next week in Europe have been cancelled. So I'm going to do everything on the phone. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, You know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess you
0: just have to kind of. Take it month by month and see... Day by see day. How, day by day, yeah, <laughs> see how it goes. Well, at least you got to London, so it's yeah, it's good for me. Always. Um, <laughs> I'm always in London anyway, so it's easy for me. Amazing. Um, so your debut solo record, To Love Us To Live, is released on the 8th of May yeah. of this year. Um, described as a dark cinematic meditation on the strange business of being alive, you say that you wrote this album um, as if it was the last one you were ever going to write, and I think yeah. that was influenced by the passing of David Bowie. Yeah. Um, Can you explain to me a bit about what was going on in your head when you found out that he had died and how it kind of initiated the journey that's led to creating this record?
1: I think, you know, when you're a teenager and you discover music and suddenly you have a special bond with it, I'm sure you have Mm. that feeling, you know that feeling. Um, musicians become part of your family. They become part of who you are and who you are growing up and who you are after and before, and and they follow you in your journey. And especially when you make music as well, I think you have this very strong bond, but also as a music lover. And um, so I think when, when a musician dies it it um it actually has a strong effect on me and uh, it changes the work as well mm. it it brings a new perspective on what they have done um uh so when bowie died uh, it was i think you know there was like a, a lot of people who died <laughs> that year <laughs> actually a lot of musicians but when bowie died he you know the black star record became something else and i suddenly realized that when you produce a piece of uh, music, um, uh, like an album, uh, your death will have, um, you know, an impact on it, but also the work will carry on living without you. So it just reminded me of that. It reminded me that if I'm going to make a record, um, I want (laughs) to try, put everything I know about life in it, um, that's why maybe the record is quite contrasted um, such an eclectic mix and a lot of ups and downs and because I wanted to find that urgency mm. you know and and experiencing then death <laughs> yeah in a closer range for me, uh, losing one of my friends, uh, Philip Starr last year and then um and then things happening in my own family. I think I just, um, the, the whole record has been infused with that notion of, um, of, um, you know, mortality, which is, which is, um, not in a negative way. I think it was a motor. It was like, um, a, um, a motivation for mm. me, um, <laughs> in a strange, <laughs> morbid way, uh, morbid way, um, so that that's what happened for me that night, and I was in LA, and I was in bed. Um, Johnny Hostile was next to me, and I just picked up my phone because I couldn't sleep, and then saw so the news, and then I listened to Lazarus. I remember was mm-hmm. the first track I listened to, and suddenly I heard these lyrics, and I was like, "My God, he knew," you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very, yeah, very strong. I think a lot of people had that experience, yeah. and uh, but he at the time I was releasing the second Savages record, so I parked the idea of making. Um, a Jenny Beth record at the time because it wasn't the right time for me but I just revisited that for um, that idea uh, when it was time to think what's next you know Yeah, because it had that kind of
0: overbearing I guess layer of mortality and what had kind of initiated the idea, did you feel like you became more engrossed with it than maybe some people would their debut records (laughs) in other instances like was it, did it just engulf you was it your total kind of obsession as it were to make it really yeah. perfect um, or to make it everything that you envisaged yeah. that it would be
1: Yes, um, I was very much encouraged with the people I worked with on the record as well because they all had that energy that you just described, the idea of making it 100% as good as it can be mm-hmm. and um, sometimes when you collaborate with people you can have you know variations in the way they get involved or the way they care and wow, I mean, in on this record, I was amazed. <laughs> so it was, it was their record, you know. Yeah. And I love that. And that's, maybe that's because I want that. I want, I leave them a lot of room. I leave people a lot of room to, you know, to get their own stamp on it. And then not being afraid that it would be taken away from me. Yeah. And obviously, at the end, it was an effort to just bring back everything to me. Because yeah. even if people express themselves, I still have final say so I think there's a freedom there because you know I can always decide anyway yeah. what I want so I feel very, I felt very comfortable in that. Yeah,
0: when you were sort of starting out was collaboration something that you knew immediately that you wanted to explore for the album? Yeah,
1: I mean it's all started with me on the piano and lyrics and uh, P.G. Harvey asked me to open for her at the Eden Project and uh, I wasn't ready. I was um freaking out, <laughs> but I was also um, ready to take on the challenge and to test myself. and um and also, Polly's not someone you want to say no to. I mean, mm-hmm. she has that thing about she's quite determined and uh, in and if she tells you I see something, you don't really want to contradict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I I took on the challenge. I did that and it was the beginning, very early beginning and, and it was great. It was, the audience was amazing, um, very respectful. But I was just a starting point. I knew I didn't want to make a piano record, you know. Um, so then it was a lot of exploration with Johnny Hostile. We worked in our studio in Paris and we, we did uh, like many versions of the same songs trying to explore different sounds and with no boundaries at first like no preconceptions of how this record should sound so that enabled to find a lot of great things mm-hmm. but in different versions so we'd like a version because we liked the drums in that version we'd like another version because we liked the piano in that version so it was not a, a complete, you know, finished uh, piece of song um, and then, then I wanted to reach out to producers so... The first person I contacted was Atticus Ross from Nine Inch Nails because I loved his work with Trent Reznor mm. uh, and in film soundtracks and in also in in Nine Inch Nails and uh, we had met before because he was a fan of Savages and um, and I've, I had been in his studio a couple of times in LA before so I knew his setup and I I knew his state of mind so we started talking and I think for six months it was just exchanging letters like exchanging um, ideas, thoughts and sending him tracks and then for him to answer with a lot of questions and I I love his approach for that he asked me a million of questions (laughs) and and, um, so we started a dialogue and then we went to, me and Johnny went to L.A. For um, a few months, and we settled in the studio there. And then he came after his day with Trent. He would come at night with and us and just sit down and listen to what we had done, and again carrying on that conversation but more closely. Yeah. And then he took. Um, um, then he we discussed on which which song he would work on, and he chose "I Am," which is the intro song of the the record. And um, and uh, he did something wonderful with. with yeah. it, It was amazing. Um, what I wanted him to do and what we discussed is to to have that, uh, you know, the way in film soundtracks you're able to create atmospheres. And, and I wanted the record to have, like, sound effects, like, from children or the in the park or from, you know, like, real sounds. Yeah. A lot of the street sounds as well because it's quite a city record. Um, and... And so he understood that straight away, and so he took what Johnny had down in production as well, and kept some things and changed others, and then and then uh, put his own stamp on it. We recorded strings and arrangements, and and it sounded fabulous. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. So and then we carried on, and we he did "I'm the Man" as well. Wow. Um, and then the outro track, "Human."
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, it must be so exciting, and you've
0: got an incredible lineup on there with Flood, Atticus, obviously Johnny Hostile. I've also got. Romy from the XX yeah. and also Joe from Idols. Yeah. So I think that's going to bring in a lot more eyes and ears who are going to be really interested to hear like those different facets, I suppose.
1: Yeah, Romy was... Uh, so Romy's is one of my best friends. Yeah. And uh, she was the one as well who, after Polly, she asked me to um, open for the XX in Brixton. So I did that show again, the piano show. Um, and she was one of the first to really push me in terms of... Uh, uh, structure of the songs she comes from the pop world mm. and so she, she 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 you know only Romy could make play me a mario Carey record and for me to sit down and listen to it <laughs> because of our friendship she would you know make me listen to things that i would never listen to yeah. otherwise not that mario Carey, with all the respect i have for her yeah. is an influence for this record but, <laughs> but you know what i mean like she comes from a different world than me and and I like that and yeah. we, but we have things in common. I remember she took me to see Call Me by Your Name, the film, um, yeah. and she she had already I think she already seen it two times and she said you really need to see this movie okay. and and we really bounded on you know the soundtrack that for sort of Stevens had done and um, and so we we kept exchanging a lot of ideas like that I think and she although she didn't want to carry that name but I think she did a lot of production work in terms on the record in terms of uh, decision, structure decisions and, and having you know sitting down in the studio listening to every steps of a song and then mm. Um, giving her opinion about that musically you know what what she what sounds she likes and thinks we should keep and for example the song flower she was the one who said we should keep it on the record because at first I didn't know if it was right for the record yeah oh wow yeah so she had a huge influence yeah yeah and I really let her in you know for, for quite a while and at the end of course I had to shut down everything and just make my own decisions yeah which is normal, you know. But for a while, it was my intentions to keep it very open and just let people tell me what they think. Yeah, it was important to me. Yeah, somehow. I read somewhere
0: that I think did she sort of help you? I guess when you're in a band, you're it's obviously like a it's more of a shared experience. Um, but she maybe pushed you to
1: open up a bit more personally and yeah. kind of put that on the record more. She actually wrote a poem about that that she sent to me um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, about um, the fact that. Before we became friends, she would only see one facet of me, mm. and when we became friends, she suddenly so um, so that I, w- I was also a vulnerable person. That mm. was also someone who had doubts. That I was mm-hmm. also a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I think in Savages, I also had that image of someone very you know certain and and strong and yeah, uh, which was great for the band I think and for the for the whole project. You know, yeah. the artistic project of it. It had a great intention in that way. Yeah, and I carried that. Fully, you know. Yeah. But Romy suddenly broke through the layers, and, yeah. and uh, we. I remember doing a, a, a writing session with her in Berlin. I met her because she was on tour, so I, I kind of followed her everywhere. I could take a flight and just go to a city where she was playing, and oh. she had a day off, and we just sit down in a hotel room and write all that day. So you know. Nice. And we were talking and then she, she suddenly stopped. She was like, you have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a heart. I was like, of course I have a heart. I was like, yeah, but it's great to see it. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay. So she pushed me to put that into the songs. Yeah. So French Countryside, for example, is a song that is very much influenced by our conversations. And, and, and it's probably one of the most personal things I've ever written. And thanks to her and written with her, and Johnny Hostile. Yeah, And I think also it's part of the journey, when I decided to do this record, I moved back to Paris. I mean, I moved to Paris, I never lived in Paris before, but I moved to Paris and I started therapy and I started reconnecting with my family because I, you know, first time I came to London I was 15 and then I moved here, I was probably 20 oh, wow. and then I just didn't really look back, yeah. you know, for all these years. Yeah. And all I did was music and I just wanted to, you know, so I didn't I rarely saw my family and I think um for the past three years I reconnected with my past, with my childhood, with so French is a song about that as well. Mm. Mm. Um you've
0: mentioned earlier that you experimented a lot with sound and yeah. also genre. So you kind of combined and mixed lots of kind of various music together, I suppose. Do you feel like your album and your start it can't really be
1: categorised in that respect and that maybe it's therefore more timeless? Hopefully. I mean, um, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I, I, it was an intention from the beginning mm. to make an eclectic record, um, which was why I didn't do a Savages record as well because mm. I felt Savages was... Great because he had a sound and he had a certain musicianship, and he had, and that's a quality into a band that to have such a strong identity. But Mm. the reason I wanted to do a Jenny Beth record was to break away from some and find my voice into a different context. Mm. I think, in the process of making the record musically, with all the people involved making music and bringing you know uh, different musicians, I had to, you know, we recorded. um, it's a jazz sort of combo <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> with um, with three different musicians: um, Georgia Chalmers, Tom Herbert on the double bass, Georgia Chalmers on the saxophone. She plays for Brian Ferry. She's amazing. Um, Tom Herbert on double bass and Igor Cavallera, weirdly, uh, from uh, f- from Sepultura on the drums <laughs> um, and me on the piano. So, um, and there was, we recorded like jazz improvisations then that we used on the song The Rooms. Um, then I had this incredible um, drummer, Wen- Wendy Kill, who came to record with us uh, with Flood in London, um, Obviously, Johnny size is a great bassist, a great synthesizer, you know, pianist, and you know, so all this musicianship was going to be a mix anyway. Mm. Um, then, um, the process in the process, my this is how I was thinking. I felt if I don't know what it is, I'm going to keep it. Mm. So uh, that was the only thing I wanted to follow in terms of genre, like okay. If, I, if I'm not sure what that is if well, I if yeah. I know what it is I think' um, I don't want to I want to try something else. Yeah. Um, if I'm not sure, what, what is this? Mm. <laughs> Even in one song, like going... I, I wanted the songs, structures, songs to be very free. And I think a few records helped me to think that way. There was the Beyoncé record called Beyoncé, which was... Uh, I, I don't listen to Beyoncé at all. It's the only Beyoncé record I've ever listened to. I think she involved a lot of underground producers like Boots and it was really freeing, that record. Yeah. And the structures were insane. It was going, you know, there was three songs into one song. Yeah, and and it flew very well. And I love the heavy bass and the sub bass, which is something I've used, we've used a lot on the record. Um, uh, and to be a butterfly, which is a record that reminded me, the Kendrick Lamar record mm-hmm. reminded me of that. A record is a piece from start to finish, and but there's a lot of voices in it. Yeah. And it's not because you have different voices coming in and out that you're gonna lose the narrative, you know. And um uh, so yeah, so that's that was the idea.
0: Wow. Um I also read that you said I don't know when you said this, but that you always knew that you were gonna do something as Jenny Beth even before Savages. And I know you mentioned obviously with Romy there that you that there maybe was a lack of confidence somewhere or you you know, you did have Kind of nervousness about certain things, but was there always that confidence that you were going to go on and do something? You just need to maybe like find out what that was, do something as a solo artist.
1: Sometimes you need people around you to guide you uh, and to help you uh, do something that feels very scary at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I was advised not to stop savages, otherwise, it would ruin my career, but I was also advised. Um, a lot of things that would ruin my career. And even in Savages, we, we were told so many things. that, mm. um, Or if you don't do this, you, you'll, you know, you won't exist in four months. You know, yeah. or and if you don't sign this record deal right now, you, you won't have any other offers. Yeah, ever. things like that. Yeah. So I had been told a lot of times things like that. So when I was told again you making a big mistake, stopping savages. I've felt, I've heard this song before, I, you know, yeah. and I think I, it didn't scare me as it used to before. Yeah. But the, um, once you've done that step, um, you've cleared the way and you informed everybody you're going to yeah. do this, then you have to do it. And I think that's when the, um, I, didn't have a, I didn't have an artistic blank. Um, Because I wrote, actually wrote the lyrics for the album quite quickly. Okay. uh, Early on. Um, But then I couldn't write any lyrics anymore. I was sort of stuck. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was as if I needed to find the music to be able to write any other lyrics ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's why I started writing a book. Yes. So... I in between recording sessions of to love is to live because I didn't want to do everything in 3 weeks and that's done, I wanted mm-hmm. to allow time time mm-hmm. was one of the ingredients I felt is a luxury nowadays and I was able to I was doing a radio show a bit One, I was I was you know I, I I was allowed to have time maybe for the first time in my life so I I took it I was yeah. like I'm um, I can leave, I, you know, I am settled, I can, you know, so I, I, I'm going to not rush this and I'm going to make sure it's right. Yeah. Um, so I think I was lucky with that. Um, but then I, 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 in between recording sessions, I couldn't start, I couldn't write li- lyrics. Um, I couldn't write poetry. I, I don't think my poetry was very good. So I started writing prose and I started writing stories, short stories. Um and uh, that was triggered at first because Johnny Hostile started in photography. And uh, he picked up a camera when we moved to Paris and started taking pictures of our private life and of people around us and friends. And uh, the pictures were dealing with the subject of sexuality and uh, intimacy and but the body, the anonymous body, because all the pictures are anonymous. You can't mm-hmm. see the face, which I think is so freeing in the time of... The selfie, mm, mm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the face is uh, overconsumed, and and I think not using the face is suddenly um, liber- it liberates the body, yeah. you know, and also the the liberates the speech, and uh, you know, suddenly the people who pose for the pictures are very open and free, yeah. and and um, so that was really enjoyable. So in between recording sessions of "To Love Is to Live" was a lot of photo sessions mm. but when I say photo sessions sounds very professional but it wasn't professional <laughs> so actually it was just um, hanging out with friends in LA yeah. in London in Paris and in different places and then I t- would travel uh, on my own to write so I went to Spain to Portugal to Greece uh, and then I finished a book in Paris but on my own and just settled in a city yeah have my own routine because i think to write you need to be very disciplined yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) because it's a lot of it's quite laborious like it's quite it's it's hard work writing you sit on a chair for five hours (coughs) your back hurts like hell and you still got you know 100 pages to write and it's uh, it's very demanding you know lyric writing is uh, is very light in comparison you know it's it's, it's more, um, you can be in a bus, you can be in, 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 in a train, you can be on, on your phone or in a piece of paper, yeah. and you sort of lie and, and it's a patchwork of words that you bring back together after, and, and you're rarely in your desk, I mean, you can be at your desk to write lyrics, but it's kind of rarely that, it's yeah. more catching the vibe of, yeah. of life, so, but r- writing prose. <laughs> yeah, it's- it's a bit more uh, discipline and more. there's more constraint on the body and I didn't realise how physical it was before yeah. I started doing it. Oh my God, I know I can't imagine writing a book as as well as a record in,
0: in the time that you have, even though you say you gave yourself the time. It's still an incredible feat and just you as a person just being so busy in so many different things, acting. You've, yeah. got, you've just started a TV show. I mean, it really is so inspiring. I'm really inspired by it that... You're out there doing all those things. It must be really exciting.
1: My hero for that is Henry Rollins. Okay. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. He's, um, he's incredible. Uh, he has an incredible energy, but also his career are really um, fancy because I think he he was able to do like a TV show, a radio show, a radio podcast that he still does. Um, he He's a heavy consumer of new music as well. Mm-hmm. Um I think he has this discipline of listening to five new albums a day. Wow. <laughs> um which I really envy. Yeah. But he always has this saying about um especially about <coughs> jogging. Mhm. Uh, okay. Cuz he I think he he's you know he's very good at um training and keeping himself in shape. <laughs> but he was saying uh, the, the hardest thing is to get out the door. Mm. The rest is easy. You wow. Know? And I always think of that. As a know. good mantra. So yes, it's, it's one it. of yeah. my mantras. And also when people come to me with ideas and projects, or um, I, I find it hard to say no sometimes. Mm. I mean, I say no to a lot of things, but I think when I like something, even if I don't feel ready, because I never feel ready. Yeah. I don't feel ready to do a solo record. I didn't feel ready to do a TV show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Didn't feel, But you get to it. And also, you're not never alone you no. know you have a team of people helping you you have people to bounce the ideas you know with and i so in the end i'm surprised i can do it but i didn't know i could yeah you know yeah and i guess what you learn and gain in yeah. an experience and kind of it's the pleasure work. of doing something yeah. new yeah You know, there was a Savages song called I Need Something New. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Which uh, is a lyric I wrote, (laughs) so I should leave by it, you know.
0: Uh, Jenny, I could talk to you all afternoon. I really could. And we've only even touched on so much of what is coming with the book and also, of course, the record. Um, I want to ask you one final question, which is, do you feel lucky to live in a time where you can express yourself so completely, I suppose, and there isn't the restrictions and kind of maybe the resistance that you might have felt if you had been putting this work out
1: maybe like 40 or 50 years ago. I think if you think of Sade, for example, I don't know how you say it in English, actually, if you said or sad, but um, the writer <laughs> <laughs> of erotic fiction as mm-hmm. well. He was um, banned from his century, you know, he was imprisoned and then he was read the century after. So I think what is the morality of the time is um, not something an artist should concern himself with because it's something that changes all the time. Um, whether I feel the work I'm doing now wouldn't be accepted um, in in a different time... Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I think there's been quite um, challenging work that's mm. been done before. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm the first one. Also, none of what I'm saying is new. Maybe what I'm trying to say that is new with the book that is called Calm, Crimes Against Love, Memories, which is coming out in June uh, as a collaboration with Johnny House South Photography, is maybe it's a new gaze on the couple relationship or uh, the relationship, like uh-huh. a love relationship. I think um, what is taboo today is to sort of redefine what it means to be a couple, um, the duo, the duality, whether it's um, whether it's two men or two women or men or women. I, I'm, I, I do think there is still the stigma about monogamy and about what it means to be, you know, um, that that duality mm. that binary sort of thing mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily believe i think monogamy is also um something that needs to be redefined if you want to redefine uh freedom for women as well and for men but men mm-hmm. need to accept that and it, mm-hmm. I think it's hand in hand uh, if that makes any sense but um so I would think that if there's something that is a little bit controversial today it would be that that aspect of things that I'm um, that we're showing yeah. in the book, yeah, yeah, um, and in terms of the record, I think maybe where it places itself is a little bit hard to at first to understand because I think if people approach it thinking approach it thinking, oh, it's a female gaze on whatever. Mm. I think um, there might be not not disappointed but maybe surprised because I think I'm not I'm not a believer in women talking about women only I think um, what I would like is to for women artists to be considered as artists so talking about humanity Mm. and not ghettoise their visions into just um, you know um, women being able to talk about women you know Mm. Or the condition of women. I think the, the what I was trying to do in the record is to talk about the human condition, you know, which uh, for me every records I love and I cherish talk about, you know. Yeah. Um, that's what I tried to do. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Well, it definitely,
0: it c- <laughs> comes across to me. I hope it comes across to everyone else, thank and you. I hope people indulge and enjoy in your work. And good luck with the rest of the year and thank the you tour. So much. And all of the
1: other things that you are doing well good luck to you too thanks for having thank me thank you you're it's very very pleasure. welcome
0: and we will see you very soon
1: bye bye all I want is to never fall in love again